0: Holy Spirit, we'd ask you to continue to move in this place in our lives, in our thinking, uh, and speak to us what is on your heart for us to hear today. This we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. The Bible reading today is, uh, there's two of them. Uh, The first one we've mentioned a few times, and it's an exodus, and it is very simply, thou shalt not murder. But along with that, I want to read a little passage from Galatians, Galatians chapter 5 and verse 22. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the sinful nature with its passions and desires. And since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking and envying each other. You shall not murder. And I suppose I'm, I'm asking, what, about, what is there about that that we don't understand or that we don't get? Or what else needs expanded about that sentence? And I suppose nothing. But then it'd be hard for me to accept the $1,000 preaching fee if I sat down at this moment. Um, so I need to say something else. And actually, um, there is a huge amount that can be said. I used to react when I was younger, whenever there was a sermon on this or reading, I used to relax and think, Great, I can turn off at this moment because I haven't murdered anybody, and I'm fairly sure the type of person that I am and, and who I mix with, I'm not going to murder anybody. So this one doesn't really apply to me. Um And then I began to realize, actually, this is much more about just murder. There's much more to be said about it. And in truth, there are uh, 10 sermons in this one sentence alone, but don't panic. I'm going to resist the temptation to squeeze 10 sermons into one. um, But I do just want to mention the other kind of things that this has got to do with. Um, There are a whole lot of things like, Abortion, euthanasia, mercy killing, war, suicide, and a whole lot of other subjects that um, have something that this uh, commandment speaks into. And I'm going to resist the temptation to comment about each of those. I'm not going to go there. I'm going to leave it um, and leave that for another day for Adrian to pick up if he wants to. Jesus makes it clear later on that there is more to this commandment than just do not murder. He says, you've heard it said, do not murder. But let me tell you, if you have anger in your heart, if you have hatred, if in the community there are things that you feel or think and do against a member of that community, it can be just as bad as murder. Now, there's a big jump there, isn't there? Having an ill thought about someone who comes out of a side road in front of you and you jam your horn on and you get annoyed. There seems to be an awful lot of a gap between that and murdering them for what they've done. But Jesus is saying, actually that in this thing that ends up as murder, there are a whole lot of stages. Unless you are a brutal professional killer, there's something that goes on within our mind, within our, our emotions, that takes us through a line of steps that might end up with murder. So I think Jesus is trying to say, if you think you're not going to murder, then let's go back a little bit and see how you are at the start of the process. Do you ever get angry? Do you have a bad temper? Because that is the starting place for murder. And so today I'm going to focus on that starting part, anger and um, bad temper, um, and just accept that murder is clearly wrong. But I'll come back to that a little bit later on. I suppose anger is something that we've heard about and certainly experienced it, either by someone being angry towards us, Um, and we can feel all sorts of things about that. Sometimes we feel that there's a righteous anger, and there is a righteous anger. There's an anger that isn't always wrong. There's an anger that is right. And it's important that we um, understand that and be content with that. When we look at injustice, pain, suffering, when we see people um, through no fault of their own having a real hard time in life, it is okay to be angry at those circumstances. It's okay to feel angry when others suffer. And let's think about it. If we didn't feel angry, well, then it may as well say we don't care at all. I just don't care about that person. And that is certainly not Christian. It's okay to feel angry. In the Bible there's 455 times where anger is mentioned. And you know what 375 of those refer to God being angry. God gets angry at injustice and a whole lot of things besides. But 375 out of the 455 times anger is mentioned, it refers to God's anger. So, less than 100 times in the Bible, anger refers to what people do and how people feel. And it's okay for God to get angry, but there's a difference between God and us. Not and because God is clearly perfect, he does not do any wrong at all, but we as people, well, we do do things wrong. We're not perfect. And therefore, our anger sometimes is not right and can be called sin because of that. Uh, There are four types of anger I'm going to mention. There's um, a maniac kind of anger. And that's like feelings and so on, or a person being in a pressure cooker, And you can also sense or almost sense that person getting more and more irate. If you actually see them, their faces will be getting redder. They might say something or may remain very quiet, but their faces go red, they start to get agitated about, and eventually they explode in anger. A maniac kind of anger. And then there's the person who has the mute kind of anger. You know the person who couldn't ever lose their temper. They will remain quiet. They'll bottle it all in. They'll say nothing. They'll put up with people saying whatever they wanted to say, um, but eventually, because they don't talk it out or express it out, it'll work out somehow, either by exploding or else through physical things, even like ill health. I remember ministering to a person. Um, that were, he was in his late 40s, early 50s. Um, and he was being known as a really gentle kind of a man. Um, but had a few rough things. And he took ill, he had cancer when he was 51. And I went to him and I said, just said, Well, how are you feeling about all of this? I just burst into tears. And he says, I'm not crying because of the cancer. I'm crying about all the stuff that I've been carrying around with me. Never expressing anger. Always being the nice person. Never letting anybody see anything of the real emotional me. And I guess I just feel this cancer is my anger working out. A third type of person who's angry is the martyr. Again, he would never express the anger because he thinks it's all his own fault. Everything he's done over the years, um, he's got it wrong. He messes people up. And he's angry at himself because of what he perceives himself to be. He's the one that throws a pity party and only invites himself. The person that is so self-obsessed that he's angry but it's not because of anybody else. It's just because of himself and his circumstances. And then there's the manipulator. The manipulator kind of angry person is one who, again, doesn't really express it. Uh, will even say, no, I'm a Christian and uh, I don't get angry. But over the next wee while, he sure works his anger out in revenge. By the things that he says and the way he acts and his behavior, he will express his anger in a way that other people will know that he's angry at them, but in a more subtle way. I'm sure there are other types of anger. Uh, I just, when I was, I was writing this and thinking about it, I certainly recognized the kind of angry person that I am, um, and where I, I think I'm mature in not blowing up at times, but actually is just as harmful and just as sinful. There's a guy who's fairly wise, um, a long time ago, Aristotle, you may know him. And he says, anyone can be angry, that's easy. But to be angry with the right person, to the right degree, at the right time, for the right reason, and in the right way, that is not easy. And that's what you need to be able to do if we are to be angry and have a righteous anger that isn't sin or won't develop. So how do we manage this thing called anger? The first thing I would suggest is that we learn the wise thing of counting to ten. There's a man called Stutton. And Stutton was back uh, in America at the time of Abraham Lincoln. And he was one of the war advisors. And uh, he got really annoyed at some of his uh, junior officers who were getting really bulgy with him. And he went to the president and said, "Um, I'm really annoyed at these people. One especially who's who's just ignoring me. and, And I feel like writing a letter to him. And Lincoln supposedly said, well, go ahead. Write the letter. But come and show it to me before you send it. So he wrote the letter. He put everything down that it felt. He put everything down that the guy had done. And he brought it to the president. there you are. And the president said, great letter. Did you even enjoy writing it? He says, I did. And he says, it seems to cover everything. He says, it does. I said, or he said, did you get everything into the letter? He says, yeah. He says, OK, now go and burn it. He says, what? and burn it and think how you would feel if you received the letter and then write another one to be able to count to 10 before we express our anger in whatever way is a very wise thing if we can learn it especially if we love social media if we have whatsapp or we text, or all the other ones, that whatever is going on. Um, the amount of harm that's caused by the instant expression of feelings and sending it out without any kind of thought, except a, wee, uh, a minute later when we think, I oh, wish I hadn't sent that, and it was too late. Count to ten. In other words, the feelings that we have will force us into action that after a while of thinking will realize it wasn't that wise. And that's the first step I'd suggest to controlling anger. Second one, have some self-respect and humility when it comes to being angry. And why I say that is that sometimes being angry puffs us up with a big sense of that we are right, and they are all wrong. They don't get it. I'm fairly sure that what I'm thinking was right, but even if they don't get it, it's what I believe happened. And to have self-respect and humility is to acknowledge that maybe we were just as guilty or that we had the same kind of attitudes, Or that maybe there's not a lot different between us and the person that we're angry at. And therefore, recognizing our own humility will shape our behavior and our response. Another way of dealing with this is to deal with the anger that we feel, especially concerning worship. In the New Testament, of course, we're taught that before we come to communion, we should make sure that we are at one with our brothers and sisters. That's a hard one. When I was preparing this, I recognized that there was a person in my life that I haven't been able to speak to for over a year. Um, And I'm not going to bore you with the whole story. And I could, what you've done, just put it on the shelf and accepted this relationship's never going to be sorted out. Until last night when I was writing these notes out and thought, I can't preach tomorrow if I don't deal with this. And so I picked up the phone and I phoned this person and uh, after saying hello and how are your kids, uh, I then said, listen, I need to say something. And I apologize, I said, I've been really angry at you, um, and it's been wrong of me, uh, and I'm sorry, and I'm asking you to forgive me. And it was interesting just to hear his response in that he didn't know what to say, which I'm glad about because it meant that the conversation was, was fairly short, which is fine. Um, but as soon as I hung up the phone, I thought, I'm so glad, Lord, that you helped me do that. And then I thought, he's got away with it. <laughs> he doesn't know even what I'm angry about. And then as if the Lord said, but hold on a second. All I've told you to do is to seek people's forgiveness. Revenge is mine. And what I, I had to pray then and, and confess the Lord my, my thoughts Uh, And I said, listen, teach me just to benefit and receive the healing that you want to give me now. And help me to leave that other person to you, Lord. But may he not take over my emotions in life anymore. Deal with the anger in a way that brings us healing and forgiveness. And leave the Lord to sort out anything else. But if we don't deal with that anger, it's going to get us in the end. I think this is a big topic in churches, huge topic and I'd love to to preach a series of sermons on this now that I'm retired and can move around. How we treat relationships in church is really interesting and so hurtful and so difficult. Now I, I genuinely can say this that Adrian doesn't talk about you as a church to me um okay so what i'm saying is my own experience one of the meetings that ministers normally hate again i don't know whether this is adrian's uh, experience or not but one of the meetings that we generally hate are general vestry meetings and select vestry meetings yours may be a party i don't know but what can happen is that we think in select vestries or in general vestry meetings, it's our chance to say what we've been thinking all year, and we're going to let them have it or let them have it. I don't know if this is your experience or not. It certainly was mine from time to time. And what can be said at a a meeting like that um, can be horrific to our brothers and sisters. There's anger. There's revenge. There's just lack of thinking, and we think it's okay. There's so much damage that can be done. And it's the kind of thing that whenever we are thinking about anger, especially when it comes to people who worship together, that we really have to think about how we speak to one another. The words that we say. The words that we use to describe someone that we disagree with. Because if we feel that we can get away with being angry, well then that affects not only our relationship with other people, but also our relationship with the Lord and our worship. There's something about clearing the mind and the soul uh, before God at the start of a, a worship time. That just brings a freshness and an authenticity to the worship of God together as we gather. And certainly, um, when it comes to anger and managing anger, church people, we should really be aware of the words that we use and say to one another. Another way of dealing with anger is to forgive. Not to bear a grudge, but to forgive. As I said a wee minute ago, in phoning up that person, sometimes we just need to ask for forgiveness for mistakes, and not to use it to do anything like, you know, remember when you did this and you said that to me, and you then did this and that. Well, I got angry about that. Please forgive me. That kind of defeats the purpose. You don't need to go over why, just to seek forgiveness and also to seek forgiveness from the lord can you imagine if you get stung with a nettle or by a bee and you go to the anthocyan to get some ointment to put on and you squeeze it out and rather than the soothing balm that should come out from that you just get a lot more sting venom to add on the already sting in your arm Because you can't really change what's in the tube. What's in the tube is in the tube. And when we're angry, it's almost as if we are squeezed out somehow and whatever is in us will come out of us. And what discipleship is and what sanctification is and discipleship in terms of constantly walking with God is God fills us our insides with his presence and his character. And that Him change from glory onto glory till in heaven we take our place. So God is constantly renewing us to make us more like him so that whenever something happens and we're squeezed, rather than anger coming out, then we're praying that more and more of Christ will come out of us in what we say and how we respond. So our personal walk with God daily is also a way of dealing with anger. That we become more and more Christ-like day by day. That it's a natural response to life happening around us. That we respond in a Christian way. And finally, the last way to deal with anger is to pursue the way of love. The passage that I read out from uh, Galatians chapter five is basically saying that. It's pointing out what the qualities of the Holy Spirit are, and we can recognise that in ourselves, and other people will recognise it, if rather than saying anger or bitterness, or bad language, or whatever, we actually are known to be people who love, who are peaceful. Here, long-suffering. Excuse me, he have a joy. And that kind of stuff comes out of us because that is the reality or the expression of the Holy Spirit within us. And the more and more that we can develop that in our lives, well then the less and less anger we will feel. I want to finish with just one kind of, of story. Or maybe two. This stuff is really important for us to learn and reflect on as Christians. Uh, And therefore, whenever you do get into the discussions about abortion, that's very prevalent at the moment, or any of the other things that I mentioned, make sure you have worked out what you understand and what kind of Christian comment you can add into the conversation. Because it's so important that we know what the Lord says. I read a story, uh, and I have no reason to understand that it's not true, but there was a medical doctor who was teaching students about the ethics of abortion. And uh, he said, right, I'm going to get you to do a case study. That's from uh, quite a while ago, and this is the background. A mum and dad had four children. The dad, mind you, hates syphilis. And the mum had tuberculosis tuberculosis. And the first child, whenever that child was born, it was known to have uh, syphilis. And also, it was blind. The second child died at childbirth, and the third child was deaf and dumb. The fourth child had tuberculosis. And the case study that the kids or the youngsters had to discuss, sorry, students, had to discuss was the mother being pregnant with the fifth child. And she came to the doctor and said, listen, I'm pregnant with the fifth child. You know about my other four children. I am willing to have an abortion if that is what you decide or advise. And the students in the groups discussed that, what would happen, what advice would they give. And later on, whenever the lecturer gathered all the opinions, um, by far they said, abort. And the lecturer said, well, well done. You've just murdered Beethoven. Beethoven's older four siblings. That was their story. And his mum and dad. That was the story. And sometimes ethics and looking at things like murder and all the other ones that I said I wouldn't look at. It's very easy when it's theory, but when it's in people's lives, that's much more difficult. One of the things that I learned uh, a number of years ago when I was looking at mediation stuff was this kind of thing, and. Uh, Hopefully, a very complicated picture is going to come up on the screen in a sec. Yeah. I want you to imagine that that dark blue circle is somebody's life. And let me take, for example, uh, George Kerry, who was an Archbishop of Canterbury. So that wee pie at the start is the bit that I know about him, and maybe the bit that only people do know about him is that he was the Archbishop of Canterbury. And yet the rest of the circle represents his life. So if you go to the next screen, what I know about George Carey, because he was the principal of Trinity when I was there, is that, yes, he became Archbishop of Canterbury, but I know that part of his life was that he was married to Eileen. And another part of that is that he had four children, two boys and two girls. And the oldest girl was a rebel. She went off and she lived with someone, had a baby outside of wedlock. And they had to work out how to still be Christian, loving parents and really affirm her. That one of the boys was very shy. Another boy was outgoing and another girl she didn't seem to have any issues, but I know that about George Kerry. I also know that he had to go to see the Queen now and then, and he went to a big ball in Buckingham Palace, and he had to wear these silly pantaloon things that the archbishops had to wear. And I was speaking to him as it happened a week after he went there, and he said, I was so embarrassed, there's a cummerbund belt that I'm supposed to wear with that outfit, and I forgot to wear it. And the whole thing looked ridiculous. And there I was, sitting at the same table as the Queen, looking rough already without the cummerbund. I know that. I also know that he's a supporter of Arsenal, and I also know that he tells terrible jokes, and he tells jokes terribly. I know that about George Carey. And therefore, whenever I come to relate to him or to speak to him, I have a whole lot of things that I can use as conversation starters or ways to relate to him. Go Back to the previous slide, if possible. If that was my some knowledge of George Carey, I can only relate to him knowing that he is Archbishop of Canterbury. The problem is, when we deal with people and relate to people, very often our knowledge of them is so small that that is the only way that I can relate to them, that little bit that I know about them. And when it comes to anger, there's a whole lot of people that the only thing we know about their lives is what makes us angry about them. Let me say something that might be a bit controversial. What comes into your mind when I mention the name Martin McGuinness? I I, I suggest it's probably something like that. He's the enemy. He's a bad person. He's a murderer. Ira, Sinn Féin, all of that. That's what we know about him. Go to the next screen. And yet... Because I met him during all the mediation stuff I did, I know, yes, that is true about him. But I also know that he delighted in reading bedtime stories to his kids when they were young. I also know that something happened between him and Ian Paisley that completely changed their relationship. And to this day, their family and the son There's something of warmth with Martin McGuinness because of what happened. I also know that he loved, as well as the GAA sport, he loved Man United. And that may be enough to make some people angry. Um, But he loved Man United and he loved football. And I know other things about him that would just not be what people normally know. And all I'm trying to say is that even with what would seem to be our enemy and would justify us being angry, there are things within the whole character and life that reflect something of the truth that every human being that has lived or has the potential to live is created in the image of God. It's the one thing that divides us from everything else in creation. We as human beings have been made in the image of God. And therefore we need to be strong and courageous and even our greatest enemy that we ask God's help to show respect for a human being who's made in the image of God. That's another way of dealing with anger in our lives. Thou shalt not murder. But even if you have anger in your heart, it's just as bad. Let's have a moment of quietness. Father, I thank you that you love us so much that you are prepared to teach us and point out things in our lives or thinking that maybe need a bit of attention. And you never do that to us as your children uh, in wanting to condemn us, but always you want to teach us so that we become more like Christ. Thank you, Lord, for your patience with us. Thank you for your mercy and your love. And Lord, thank you that you're not the kind of leader or father that just does away with people because they don't step up or because they're not perfect. Lord, I thank you that you used Moses to receive these commandments and to establish so much of your kingdom thinking. Lord, thank you that you used David as a worshipper as a leader, as the one that you found to be just closer than anybody else. Thank you that you used Paul to establish your church. And yet all three of those guys committed murder. Lord, you're not finished with people who fail, but you restore and you build up. You accept and you release us into ministry. Lord, I pray blessing upon this church. I pray blessing upon Adrian and the members of this church as they continue to discover what amazing calling you are giving them to be your representatives here in Beaver. Bless them, I pray. Raise up the downhearted. Restore those who feel They've let you down so badly that they're of no worth. Give joy and peace. And I ask all of this with thanksgiving in my heart, in the name of Jesus. Amen.